0: We are living in space and time for God's eternal purpose. And we're being governed by a vision of the divine truth and God's intention. Yet this application is simple in its life experience. I feel to point out now that we are experiencing the Lord, we are living for His purpose in the midst of all kinds of human situations. So we do not separate some kind of spiritual element to be, try to be spiritual with God and not include the totality of our present Human situation, whatever it is. Because the Lord is not simply caring for our spirit, he is caring for our entire tripartite being and everything related to our human situation at any given time. That is why Paul is able to say with full assurance in Romans 8.28, we know, not we hope, or think, or believe, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, comma, to those who are called according to his purpose. So there are All things, all matters, persons, situations, trials, without end. Yet we can say we love God and we're called according to his purpose. So eventually, God causes all things to work together for his purpose, which is defined in the following verse that we were predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. I would like now, very briefly, to strengthen our experience on the human side by referring to something in Mark 10 and by referring you to a verse in 1 Peter 5. At the end of Mark 10, The Lord is continuing his journey of ministry. And he's approaching a certain place and a crowd knows he's coming. And a blind man named Bartimaeus is sitting at the side of the road. And he learns that Jesus is coming. So he starts calling out, shouting actually, son of David have mercy on me. And those around him tried to quiet him. Just, just stop it. But the more they tried to calm him, the more he would continue shouting. So the Lord Jesus stopped and someone told Bartimaeus, he wants to, cont- wants to talk to you. So Bartimaeus responded Then this is what is touching. The Lord asked him a question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? He had had said, as recorded earlier in the same chapter, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. I came here to serve. And I came here to lay down my life for your redemption. And the Lord is the same today. The one who said this to Bartimaeus is the Christ living as the Spirit in our spirit. And he is not likely to say this audibly, but there is an inner sense. What do you want me to do for you? And maybe what's in your heart then is something related. I want to be an overcomer. I want to mature in life. But maybe it's something very human, a human need, a human longing. With Bartimaeus, he said, Lord, that I may see. I ask you to heal my blindness, that I may see. The Lord is still serving us. Brother Nee has a wonderful message on this. The Lord serving in his earthly ministry is serving us now. He's our high priest praying for us. He's ministering to us. Then according to the record in Luke chapter 12, there's a description of the feast in the kingdom. And the overcomers are there reclining at table. Then the Lord said, The Son of Man will come and gird himself and serve them. And serve them. Can you imagine that? He did this in John 21. Peter taking the lead, not knowing. We don't know what to do. The Lord appears and he's gone. Come I on, I've got to earn a living. I, I, I've got a wife. I've been wandering around all this time. I'm going fishing. We're going with you. You know the story. All night, no fish. The Lord appears early in the morning. I don't know if he says this with a smile. Did he ask him, are you catching anything? <laughs> the, the fish are over there. Then John, the man of insight, recognizes this is the Lord. Peter, the man of action, plunges into the water. (laughs) Then he drags in the net with a few hundred fish. But then the Lord says, come on, have breakfast. i prepared breakfast for you. Then he fed them. We need, this goes against our religious concept. We need the Lord to serve us. He wants to serve us. This is why, deep within, he may ask, what's in your heart? What would you like me to do for you? Lord, I want to pass the calculus exam. Okay. Lord, I want to get accepted at this graduate school. Lord, I want a brother to fall in love with me. Just tell him. It's through this very human contact that you will open your being and the Lord will tenderly, graciously, dispense Himself into you. Then we turn to 1 Peter. The subject of 1 Peter is the Christian life under the government of God. And the government of God is mainly carried out by judgment in order to gain us, for the fulfillment of His purpose, and his governmental dealings begin with the house of God. And so Peter is writing to his fellow believers who are suffering in different ways. Then in chapter 5, around verse 7, he speaks of casting all your anxieties on him. You may be familiar with that. But this is what he says, because It matters to him concerning you. Isn't that touching? It matters to him. What matters to him is not just that you want to be, become a God-man and you want to be an overcomer. He knows you're a human. He knows your situation. Anything that matters to you, anything, If it's physical, something in your body bothering you, if it's whatever it is, it matters to him. This I can assure you, what he'll do, I have no right to say. Why he does the things he does, why he waits, when he waits, I don't know. I'm not gonna be like Zophar, who was Zophar off, (laughs) In, in his advice I'm not going to contribute to your pain by trying to give explanations I don't know but we are relating to the indwelling Christ and to the sovereign God in a genuine divinely human and humanly divine way at whatever we are we contact him as we are where we are. Now we come to message two with three matters that are building upon the previous points. So each major point includes what has been covered before and then takes us the next step. So expressing God, moving with God, and representing God. So regarding expressing God and representing God, we are now back to Genesis 1. And Genesis 1.26 regarding not the way God created everything, but why he did it. And in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will have dominion on the earth. This is now God acting in time by creating us in a certain way to fulfill his purpose. Let us make man in our image. We know from Colossians chapter 1, Christ is the image of God. We know this from 2 Corinthians 4. Christ is the image of God. So we as humans were created in the image of God, which is the image at which is Christ, for the purpose of expressing him. And as we express him, then we are qualified to represent him. When Saul of Tarsus met the Lord and he asked, Who are you? The Lord answered. When he asked, What should I do, Lord? The Lord said, Go into the city. It will be told you. I will not tell you directly. And Then the Lord appeared to an ordinary brother named Ananias, And commission him to go to Paul and speak various things to him. And this brother represented the Lord to this new believer. That's something Paul had to learn in the very beginning. On the one hand, you contact the Lord directly. And you are a pattern to all the believers. We have direct access to the Lord. On the other hand, the Lord will very often communicate to you through a member of the body representing Him, and that may be any member. The Lord didn't cater to any latent ambition in Paul by sending him one of the apostles from Jerusalem. You didn't think, well, now that I'm a believer, send me some of the top guys. No. Uh, I'm going to send you an ordinary person because that's what you are now. You're an ordinary person. Even though you're going to be an apostle, eventually John would end up, when he wrote Revelation, he said, I, John, your brother, your companion. He didn't say... John, the last remaining of the original 12. (laughs) I am the one who may not die. (laughs) Okay, we would would respect the elderly brother, but I find it very endearing when he says, I'm your brother. I'm your companion. And so we want to consider these three matters expressing God, then moving with God, because we're one with him. The Lord has a move on the earth. And then when when we are in that move, we should represent him and not be expressing ourselves. In 1991, Brother Lee, alone with the Lord in his study one afternoon, We don't know the details because he would hide much of the experience. But he testified clearly he's with the Lord. And the Lord definitely indicates to him, why not go to Russia, to the Russian-speaking world? So the Lord made known to him his, the Lord's intention of bringing the gospel, bringing the truth, bringing the flow of the Lord's recovery to the Russian-speaking world, then if we consider he, the sovereign God, arranged for this by causing the dissolution of the Soviet Union, an event that no one can explain. I was a graduate student at the time, part-time, for the fun of it, with a a Holocaust survivor from Hungary, very much aware of intellectual history in, in Europe. And she taught a course on this, herself trying to understand. Well, the throne decided, I'm ending it now. I'm gonna dissolve the Soviet Union. I'm gonna open it up. I'm gonna send the flow there. We're gonna save thousands of people and we're going to raise up scores and scores of churches. So that was made known to Brother Lee. Then he brought it into fellowship with the co-workers. He didn't say, God showed me this, we're going to do it. This is in the spirit of fellowship. So then that move went to Russia starting in 1991. And what a wonderful Expression and representation was there. Brother Bill was there for much of this. Just to see how the Lord moved and brought to that part of the earth his expression and his representation. So now we want to consider what it is to express God, then to move with God, and the importance and the privilege of representing him and the seriousness of misrepresenting him to other people. Regarding that, Paul says something in Romans when he's making it clear, no one is righteous in the sight of God. Uh, All are in sin. All are under his judgment. Then he talks about the religionists. He said, the name of God is blasphemed because of you. That is a real tragedy. There are many thoughtful persons, many thoughtful young people that have no heart for God right now because of the misrepresentation of God to them as they were growing up, whether it was in their own family or in the religious entity that they were a part of. So the Lord wants to have a genuine representation of himself through those who express him and who move with him. will one matter about expressing him, and then we'll go through the outline. And I'm going to pause, uh, meaning stop my portion of the message, before 12.15. It might be 12.14, but at least it will be before <laughs> 12.15. And that concerns our soul. Our spirit is the organ for contacting God, receiving God, containing God, and get ready for digesting God. So in a sense, our spirit is our spiritual stomach. Then, just like, I don't know if anatomy or physiology much, but then it's from the stomach that there is the distribution of the digested food to nourish us. But the soul has two main functions as the soul. The parts of the soul have particular functions, the mind, emotion, and will. But the soul is the organ of expression. And actually, the soul is the organ of enjoyment. But we're going to emphasize the soul as the organ of expression. So in order to express the Lord, the Lord needs to be able to spread out from our mingled spirit and little by little saturate and permeate our soul so that our soul no longer expresses the self, but expresses the Christ who is in our spirit. That is why the soul needs to be transformed. That if you can bear it for more than a minute, I can hardly bear it for more than a minute, to see any talking heads on any of the news stations, whether it's MSNBC or Fox, the two extremes, or CNN or whatever it is. I, I wish someone would just tell me the facts of what's happening and then shut up, okay? Shut up, go off the air, come back in two more hours with some more facts. No, it's just all the talking. And that's all there is, is a gross exhibition of the self. Everybody, everybody. I'm fair in impartiality condemning everybody the same. Okay? And so the Lord created us to express him and what does he see on the earth with these seven billion plus people? Is the, is the self expressing the enemy of God. And it's to me sad and it's a deprivation That so many real believers, wherever they are, and our heart is broad. All whom God have received, we receive wherever you are. You're a child of God. You're regenerated. You're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Where you meet, that's your decision. That's your decision. We're not going to proselytize you. We're not going to try to twist your arm to get you to meet with us. That's between you and the Lord. But my heart aches to realize that very few preachers, and therefore very few believers in the audience, have heard a clear word regarding the transformation of the soul. Romans 12, that we're being transformed by the renewing of the mind. 2nd Corinthians 3.18. We all with unveiled face are beholding and reflecting the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Rather, Christians are taught you're regenerated and when the Lord comes back, everything's fine. Or when you die, everything's fine. But the truth is, when a believer dies, Nothing is fine except your eternal salvation is secure. But after resurrection, the Lord will continue where he left off. You read Matthew 25, the parable of the virgins. And so there's very little clear teaching concerning the need for gradual transformation of the soul, regeneration is instantaneous. Getting a new body, which I really look forward to. Uh, When you're young, okay, you're buffed, you're vigorous, you're invincible, you're immortal. But when you're not young, you realize, I want a brand new body. (laughs) I really mean this, Lord. I want a transfigured body. Uh, No more eye drops, no more cataract surgery, no more blood pressure medicine, no more this, no more that, no more exhaustion. Yes, you know? right? But it's not going to happen just yet. That will be instantaneous. But the transformation of our soul is a gradual process. And it's sad that many believers will end their life on earth with an untransformed soul because of the lack of the truth. And therefore, they're journey on the bridge of time did not contribute very much to the fulfillment of God's purpose because they themselves could not be built in because they were not transformed they might have helped someone else be saved and help someone else love the Lord that's a contribution but not an intrinsic one so with that opener let's just go to the outline now and consider the essence of these three points. And the Roman numerals are deliberately repetitious in order to emphasize we're building on one level upon another. As God's chosen, redeemed, and regenerated people who are one with God, who are constituted with God and who live God we should express God this is what God is looking for this is the very core of his eternal purpose to have a corporate expression of himself in Christ who himself is the embodiment and expression of the triune God. And the nature of that expression is glory. So 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we're being transformed from glory to glory. Now I say this again, I never flatter anyone. I'm not political. I'm not a diplomat. I don't say positive things for you to think well of me or for you to feel good. I say them because they're the truth. Okay, I was here a year ago. Now I'm here now. There is noticeably more glory among you this morning than there was a year ago. That's just a fact. I'm not going to identify anyone when this brother is speaking, when that sister is speaking. It's so evident. There's more glory than one year ago. This is actually happening. And so the New Jerusalem, when John sees her, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Then he sees the holy city, the first characteristic is having the glory of God. That is God's goal, to be expressed in his shining glory through his counterpart, his wife. And I don't wanna, I'm being very careful, I don't wanna touch delicate matters related to married life. I understand to some extent the feeling in mind of the feminists, I know you have a cause, you have grounds, I also know you can go too far, whatever, but you have the principle of God's creation that the wife should really be one with the husband, to be together they're an expression. This is the way God meant it to be, so the husband should take the lead to express the Lord, and the wife who's one with the husband in the Lord expresses the Lord as expressed in him. The point is, that's an feeble attempt to illustrate the picture in Revelation 21. We'll become a beautiful, mature counterpart to the Lord, the same as he is in life and nature, and his glory will be shining out of us when we are in the new heaven and the new earth ruling over the nations on the new earth when those people the human beings now living as God originally created human beings when they see us they will see God when they see us they will see the glory of God this is what God is after this is the expression Now the subpoints God's eternal purpose is to work himself into us as our life, so that we may express him. So that. He doesn't want to be confined to our spirit. He wants to spread out from our spirit to saturate our soul, the organ of expression. So on the positive side, the element of Christ in our soul needs to increase. We can say on the negative side, what is in us that replaces Christ has to be terminated by the cross because we want Christ himself living in our spirit to be expressed through our soul, and when there are increased numbers of believers who are one in the Triune God, then this expression becomes corporate. That's why Paul can end the prayer in Ephesians chapter three, where he's praying for Christ to make His home in us. He says, "Unto Him be glory." in the church. And the genuine local churches are the only place, the unique place on earth where God is glorified. Everywhere else, there's the mixture. And what I'm about to say, I, I, I know quite well from my own history and the Lord's own discipline over decades. The significance of the Lord's word in John 7. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who does, then he refers to himself. He is true. He represents God. And so this is why As we are learning to prophesy on the Lord's Day morning, we're learning increasingly through our speaking, Christ is being expressed. Eventually, people will be astounded. They will see God expressed by these normal human beings. So we're in this process together. Okay, It's from glory to glory. First, it was nada. It was nothing. I just exhausted my Spanish vocabulary. (laughs) So now it's a little glory, a little more glory. Okay, this is just how it goes. And the Lord must have this to a certain extent in actual, practical local churches on the earth, all over the earth. And then the Lord can rapture the overcomers, they'll become the bride prepared for the wedding day, this corporate person. B, the Lord created man in his image and according to his likeness, with the goal that man would be God's duplication for his expression. God's intention and in his economy is to dispense himself into us as our life and nature, Making us the same as He is in life and nature to express Him. To be exact, human beings cannot express God. We have a human life, a human nature. We can only express humanity. That's all. So actually, God is not seeking to be expressed by humanity but to be expressed in and through humanity. This is what he's after. So as we are being transformed in our soul, then the Lord is able to shine out through our humanity. And that is what becomes so endearing. This is the fulfillment of why we were created. Seven-plus billion human beings on the earth. Who knows why they were created? Who knows what a human being really is? A vessel to contain God, express Him, and represent Him. So now we need to see that to express Him requires that on our part, we enjoy Him by beholding Him. I'd like to make a comment here. I refer to the verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. The one who said, Out of darkness light shall shine is the one who shined in our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I emphasize the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now let's go back to 3:18. We all with unveiled face beholding and reflecting the glory of the Lord. My brothers and sisters, what are we beholding? The glory that we are beholding is the glory of God in the face Of Jesus Christ. I don't have the words to describe. How marvelous it is. Even if it's for a minute or two. You turn your heart to the Lord. Who is dwelling in your spirit. And you don't have to say anything. You just behold. The glory of the Lord. In the face of the Christ. Who is living in you right now. You just look at him, and he looks at you. No one has to say anything. Beholding and reflecting the glory of the Lord. But the glory is not some diffuse element floating around. It is in the face of the resurrected Christ, who is inside your spirit right now, And our cooperation is so simple, we don't first try to exercise our spirit. Rather, we first turn our heart to the Lord. So my basic prayer, day after day is, Lord, I turn my heart to you. I don't know how you wake up in the morning. Maybe you wake up like a hind let loose. You're energized with resurrection life. You heard me say this. I wake up. I grope to consciousness. Then I got to figure out in what time zone am I on the earth? And I can't recall ever springing out of bed like a hind let loose, vitalized by resurrection life. I've got to start the same way again. Lord, I'm now 55% awake. I am now vertical rather than horizontal Uh, I know where I am. I know what day it is. Lord, I turn my heart to you. And this may not be necessary here, but with some of the dear trainees that are quite introspective and thoughtful and while they're praying, they're analyzing their own prayer. So if they pray, Lord, I turn my heart to you, while they're saying that, they're wondering, am I really turning my heart to the Lord? (laughs) So I said, okay, you need a backup prayer. (laughs) And here's the backup prayer. Lord, cause my heart to turn toward you. Then the veil is taken away and you can behold the glory of the Lord in the indwelling Christ. He's really here. There are times really when you truly A brother and sister, whether they're courting or whether they've been married for decades, they really love each other. Sometimes they just sit and they're quiet and just look at one another's countenance. You don't have to do anything. I'm not asking for anything. I just enjoy being with you and being open to you and you're open to me. How sweet to be with the Lord in this way. Okay, D, the human virtues that are produced in us through our eating, drinking, digesting, and assimilating God with his attributes become the expression of God. So we're created with certain virtues. they have all been damaged. But now the divine attributes enter our human virtues and are expressed through our human virtues. That's why, to be very transparent, I told the students last night. I, was, they, I could just sense they were deeply open. Their being was deeply open. And it was just such a quiet and open atmosphere. So I could be so genuine with them. I'm testifying of the God I know The God I know. Not just belief. The God I know is light. He's shining. The God I know is love. That's his essence. And I can testify that right now, I love every one of you in this room with the God whom I know as love. That's That's a boast in him. Not in me. That's a boast in him. And it was just so easy to meet some of these dear ones, no matter what their background was, their ethnicity, their race, all of it's gone. Like you just tell them, listen, read my heart. You can't be fooled. You know what you've been through. You, you know what's real or not. So this is just the Lord working himself into us little by little expressed through our, the human element. So, God is love, but it's expressed through the human virtue of love, so it comes across divinely human and very normal. And it just transcends, look, I'm, I'm 60 years older than many of those kids. I'm older than their grandpa. <laughs> but it didn't, to me, it didn't make any difference. It didn't make any difference. Because if we're touching this one and expressing and representing him, both ways, even they were much younger, the Lord is expressed through them and they're refreshing me. It's mutual. They didn't realize it, but they were. Yes. And so the application is so simple. You just say, Lord, I open my being to you. Work yourself into me. Saturate me. And transform my soul for your corporate expression. And sometimes my best prayers come out while I'm in the shower. It's not a method. I have no idea if if that's the psycho-spiritual effect of water. I don't know. (laughs) But sometimes I can just pray there. And I just, even when I'm shaving, you know, I've got to be careful that... um, I have to take blood thinners, so I don't want to wound myself. But just these sincere prayers, Lord, today, today, grow in me today. Lord, please give me a day's worth of growth in life. And I was visiting in Australia, and one brother asked me sincerely, What is a day's worth of growth in life? I said, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I just know that's how it happens. <laughs> that's how it happens. So what do you think if you open to the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to transform me, do you gonna say think you'll say, No, I want you to stay just like you are. No, he'll never do that. He God's aim in his economy is that we would be one with him and live him for his corporate expression. But there can't be a corporate expression if there's no individual expression. If if at 8 o'clock this morning we're all in the self, we're all in the flesh, and then at 10 o'clock we come together, we're now corporate, we're all in the self, we're all in the flesh, we don't suddenly become the corporate expression of God. We become the corporate expression of the self and the flesh. So there is the personal side, but the personal side is for the corporate. It's to be part of this corporate person. It's not to be individualistically spiritual. Two, as God's chosen, redeemed, and regenerated people who are one with God, who are constant with God, who live God, and who express God, we should move with God. And that's what we have in Joshua. Joshua, the Lord made it very clear to him and Moses made it very clear to him, you will bring the people into the good land. You will do it. And there's a move. In, in Joshua chapter 1, all the people recognize this. They were one with Joshua for the move. And so we need to learn to recognize the Lord's move and to be one with that move, allow him to move within us, allow him to move through us, allow him to move with us. When the lover and seeker of the Lord reached the stage of becoming a pillar of smoke, this is in Song of Songs, she was spiritual, steady, and unshakable, and thus was qualified to move with God. So this is advancing in the divine romance, And because the Lord speaks in love, he can speak anything and his lover is not bothered. So he can say in the beginning, oh, my love, you're a horse. You're like an Egyptian stallion. She says, I know, I know. I'm full of energy. Because the love is pure, so you can say the truth to someone and they're supplied. But then a little bit later, he comes and says, um, Hi, Lily. Huh? Yeah, Lily. You're becoming a lily. You trust in God. Oh, your eyes. They're like doves' eyes. Then there's a quiet period, and she becomes a pillar of smoke. Uh, But... Mysteriously very stable. And now the Lord can move with her. She will become a palanquin to carry him in his move. So all of us have a part to play in this. The Lord will determine the nature of it. B, the great wheel in Ezekiel 1 is not only the economy of God, but also the move of the economy of God. So when God's wants to, like when he moved to Russia, now he's moving in Germany. The wheel of God's economy is moving. There's a wheel within the wheel. So this is mysterious. He is moving in us, and we are moving in him. And before too long, the saints presently meeting in Munich will take the ground of the church, and the golden lampstand will be established in Munich. Amen. Where Hitler began his program in Munich. It was a failure, but that's where it started. Now the Lord is going to have his testimony. Amen. Throughout that country. And eventually, oh, he's, he's going to reclaim Switzerland. Amen. Don't we agree, Bill? It's time for Switzerland to be recovered. Amen. All those cities. then France. Italy, whatever. But it's not a movement, but it's a genuine move of the Lord. See, God needed the children of Israel to cooperate with Him in His move, in His economy, as the great wheel. And so when they went to take the good land, there's war. The occupants will not yield the whole land, the whole earth belongs to the Lord, so he has the right to declare it. And so you need to have the coordination. So we see this in taking Jericho. So the Lord needs our cooperation, our coordination, not our origination. And this this is a beautiful thing to see. The cooperation with God. And this is the nature of our prayer that we come together we sense the Lord wants to do this we cooperate with him. And for one hour we forget our own things we forget our personal situation we are praying for your move on the earth. And the heavens have bound the heavens have loosed so now we are on the earth binding and loosing praying with authority for the Lord's move. D, we need to be one with God in his heart's desire and in his move on earth. I appreciate this combination. It begins with his heart's desire. And one prayer that's come up just hundreds of times when I was walking early in the morning was, Lord, cause the desire of your heart to become the desire of my heart. (laughs) Make my heart a duplication of your heart in every possible way. So at least to some extent, the desire of the Lord's heart has become the desire of my heart. And because we are one with Him and His desire then when he moves to fulfill his desire, we are one with him in that move. Uh, Whatever it is for his move on the earth. Roman numeral three. As God's chosen, redeemed, and regenerated people who are one with God, who are constituted with God, who live God, who express God and who move with God, we should represent God. A says, God gave man dominion over all things so that man might represent him. So this is a matter of authority. And uh, we have the time, seven or eight minutes before I'm just prior to 1215. This is something we were created to do, all of us, not just special persons, all of us. So it's actually quite normal for a little child to think that God is like my dad. Because a dad, in the family situation, should represent God. And I, I, I know what you're thinking and feeling. I've had to do a lot of repenting for this. A lot of applying Christ not only as a sin offering, but also as the peace offering, but especially as the meal offering. Lord, I need to be really divinely human in the family context. But an example of how important this is to God is in Numbers. And the people are complaining... Because they're thirsty. God tells Moses, Speak to the rock. The rock had already been smitten once, living water flowed out. God said to Moses, Speak to the rock. So Moses picked up his rod. He said, You rebels. Then he struck the rock, and the water flowed. He called the people rebels. Very serious word to use to ascribe to anybody. Then later on, God used that word twice in relation to Moses. You rebelled against me. You did not sanctify me. You gave the people of Israel the impression that I'm angry with them, like some kind of pagan god. I wasn't angry. They were murmuring because they were thirsty. I wanted to satisfy their thirst, but you with your anger misrepresented me and gave them the feeling I am angry with them. This is, shows the weight of responsibility on anyone taking the lead in the church, the work or the ministry. The saints should never receive from you a wrong impression about how God feels toward them. What they needed then was for Moses to express the God, He would say, the Lord knows why you're murmuring. It's because you're thirsty, and he wants to take care of your thirst. So the rock is here, and that's all I need to do is speak to the rock. So I'm gonna speak to the rock and the river flows. What a lovely representation of God there would be. But in spite of, you know, I'm being conservative, hundreds, thousands of failures, okay? If it were one a day for the 52 years I've been in the recovery, I'm not exaggerating, that's thousands, but who would limit the failures to one a day. Okay? Yet I'm not discouraged and I'm not disheartened because of God's mercy, because of His faithfulness, because He didn't give up on me, He doesn't give up on you. He just keeps supplying us and enlightening us and helping us realize our situation so that we will depend on Him more. Eventually, He will gain His proper representation from all of us. And so all of us in our own ways have fallen short. That's why we have a Redeemer. That's why we have Christ as the reality of the offerings. That's why Christ is interceding for us right now. That's why he's ministering heaven into us right now. That's why he's shepherding us right now. He's not giving up on us. He's going to have a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That's going to include all of us. So we have to see this point but not in a way that the enemy will use it to bring us into despair, no. We reject his accusations. We counter him by the blood of the lamb. We are being supplied by the Lord to represent him, and we will. In order to represent God with authority, we must express him in life. So the expression comes first. Then the representation comes forth spontaneously. Because Aaron had the resurrection life to express God. He had the authority to represent God. That's the budding rod. So first is the expression. It's a huge mistake for someone to try to represent God's authority while you're expressing yourself. So we need to be transformed. Then as we're transformed, we reign in life and represent the Lord. See the proper way to work for God is to represent God. And so the Lord covered, this is a positive statement, Brother Lee knew whom to send to the Russian-speaking world. They began to go in 1981. My function is different. So I started going in 1998 for another purpose. And it was just so clear that all these faithful brothers They truly represented the Lord to the Russian-speaking people. They expressed him, they represented him, and it was just a wonderful result. And these brothers were one with Brother Lee as the representation of God. When Brother Lee brought into them his feeling that they should go, he didn't just command them to go. He expressed his feeling, which was the Lord's feeling. They recognized it, and they went. And because there was the the expression, there was the representation. And we will see this all over the earth. The last point. As God's representatives, we do not speak our own words or carry out our own work. For we are simply the bush. And the Lord is the fire burning within the bush. So... We're all a bush, once we were just a bush. Now the triune God is the fire is burning in our bush, and my portion of burning in the bush stops at 1214. (laughs) I rarely do this, but it actually happened. It stopped a minute early. (laughs) Don't say there are never miracles in the Lord's recovery.